This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Levi Pinfold, welcome to Better Reading. Oh, thank you. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited about speaking with you. I've been, you know, since I was handed the research notes in the book, I'm like, what? I have got the best job in the world, you know. I've <laughs> spoken um, to so many writers over the years and every person surprises me. And you are a particularly big surprise, I think. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's let me introduce. Surprising. Yeah, let me introduce you, <laughs> and I think all our listeners will agree that you are a surprise. Levi has been drawing from his imagination for as long as he can remember. He has published many acclaimed books and is a winner of the prestigious Sillip Kate Greenaway Medal. Born in the Forest of Dean, I don't even know where that is, and I just thought I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to ask you. He has somehow found himself living in northern New South Wales, Australia. Wow. His latest illustrations feature in the Harry Potter Wizarding Almanac, the only official companion to the Harry Potter stories, full of wizarding lists, charts, maps, and all things magical. I mean, how do you even get a job like that? (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things where um, one thing has led to another. You know, uh, it's it's not something that you go, right, I'm going to go and illustrate, I'm going to go and draw pictures of wizards and I'm expecting someone to pay me. Um, yeah. So I don't think it really ever, ever <laughs> happened like that. But um, I started out studying design and thought I was going to be a graphic designer. But whilst I was, I've always had a love of drawing. Um, and whilst I was working in design, I discovered a whole breadth of kids books um, mm. that, uh, you know, I, I think we had a module on them or something. Mm. And I hadn't really read any since I was a kid. Mm. And I thought, oh, hang on, someone... Someone does the drawings for these. I like drawing. I, you know, I, I maybe I'll give illustration a shot. So book illustration hadn't really been on my radar until I was what, 17, 18. I always thought I'd, I'd do something visual. But, you know, because I'd always drawn, I, I was drawn to it, forgive the pun. You know, I think uh, it was it was sort of rediscovering some of those illustrated books from my childhood, in particular sort of books about fairy lore and things like that um one in particular uh you know i i had had when i was a kid and really sort of reignited this love for me in it when i was about 17 18 um and that was the fairies book by brian Fried and alan lee and that that totally sent me down a big rabbit hole of going ah there's all these illustrations that i sort of half remember from from growing up and so i i decided to go and study illustration then um i was lucky enough to go and study illustration in Cornwall in England. Um, and um, that sort of opened loads of doors for me, uh, you know, gave me the confidence and the time to sort of develop a style. And then after I was sort of finished college, I 
sort of did door knocking. I I I went to all the publishers that I knew of. I got a big manual of publishers. Went got heaps and heaps of re- rejection. You know, lots yeah. of art directors did were very very kind and welcomed me in and said and had a look for my, my through, look through my portfolio and said, oh yeah, that's interesting and stuff. Um, but never really went anywhere from there. And basically, I just kept at it because uh, I really loved doing it. Um, yeah. So I just kept, because, uh, kept. I just want to interrupt for a minute there. My family and and listeners of this podcast would know this. My family immigrated from Lebanon to Australia, and they came and went a few times. And I was born here, but they came and went. And the last time we came back for good, I was six, so I couldn't read. I couldn't read English, and what I started doing was reading picture books, you know, because the stories, uh, the pictures told the stories, right? So they've been very, very formative in my life, you know, and now, yeah, they really have. And now when friends of mine, you know, when children are born, I have a go-to bag of books that I give people, that I give babies, you know, and they really have changed my life, books like Where the Wild Things Are. You know, oh, by yeah. Morris Sendak. I mean, Absolutely. but even the Little Bear series of Morris Sendak. Morris Sendak, yeah. They're, I they're mean, beautiful they're books, beautiful. They? But mm. I think illustrations can tell a story. Yes, of course, they support the story in a picture book, but they are a story unto themselves because I often see children who can't read yet, who are two or three or one, mm. flicking through telling the story. Mm. Now, well, that's an interesting thing. Sometimes you can pick it up. I mean, we've got a three-year-old of our own at the moment. So yeah. We've got a three and one-year-old. And the, 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 our three-year-old, since she was one and a half, has been totally absorbed in, yeah. in, in picture books. And she studies the pictures as you're reading the words. And, yes. you know, I'm, I'm, she, she's a right chatterbox. And, and I bet, pretty you, sure it's, I bet it's you when you're <laughs> not in the room... She's reading them through the illustrations. She does, yeah. She looks and she narrates yes. the, the story through yes. the pictures. And she goes, yeah. and then they did this and then they did that. And it's yeah. um, it's it's quite an amazing aid to learning how to read. But I think as well it, it, it it's amazing how much information you get through those through those pictures. And I think and certainly picture books are, yeah. are very, very effective tool for, for telling that story because you're getting a new um, every time you turn the page, you're getting a new sort of dramatic moment, a new scene, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's the best ones are the ones that you can just, you can tell the whole story in pictures, I think. You know, Absolutely. Uh, our listeners will know this as well. My favourite all-time um, picture book is John Brown Rose and the Midnight Cat. Do you know that? I, I am going to send you a copy um, oh, wow. by Jenny Wagner. And it is one of the most powerful stories I've ever read. It's about grief in very, very few words. And the illustrations, she has written and illustrated it. And it's it's published in 1964. She was actually Australian, but I don't think it was first published here. And it is about a woman who has a dog and she's getting older and she's getting sicker and she meets a midnight cat. John Brown, who's the old English sheepdog, he doesn't want anything to do with the cat. He just wants his life with Rose to stay the same. And how that transpires, that story in very few words, is the most powerful book I've ever read. It is interesting, isn't it? I think sometimes you get a, an emotional impact with pictures. Um, you do? That when you t- even just colour, even just yeah. turning a page and it being a certain colour, I think there there's something that happens that's in ineffable and undescribable, you know, and, and mm. I think it's it, it really does make a difference to a, certainly to a short narrative and certainly to any, a poem or something like that. I think um, to have that 
complementing it, it can it can hit home very very much more. I I I, I certainly respond more. I think I always have responded more visually. Um, mm. That's probably why I'm doing what I'm doing. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think certainly that immediate reaction when you turn the page is, is vital to your sort of emotional experience of reading the book. Definitely. Absolutely. Now tell me, where is the Forest of Dean and how did you start there and end up here? <laughs> so the Forest of Dean is just south of Wales. So I think it used to be a, a kind of one of those hunting grounds for the Prince of Wales or something like that. I'm not entirely sure which nobleman used it for, for his for his private hunting ground, but it, it remained a, a spot of woodland in England up until the present day. It's still a heritage spot. So it's got a load, load of old trees, lots of old spots that you can you can explore. And I was born in a little cottage hospital there. My my folks moved there in the in the 80s. Um I don't they moved there in the late 70s, I think. Were they hippie? Was, no, no, my no, dad no. well, you know. Yeah. My dad was a drummer in a band and then yeah. he was oh, okay. you know yeah. so rock and roll, you know, not, yeah. not <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit of a different sort of yeah. sort of vibe. But um I think they were pretty pretty progressive for their yeah. you know for their time so but they I think they just wanted us to grow up amongst the trees you know yeah I, I think that's that's what they thought they just thought oh that'd be that'd be good luck and yeah. um you know and my dad commuted to work and he was an engineer um and so we we grew up with on one side we had the bluebell woods which was an ancient sort of beach forest cool. and then on the other side of our house we had the deep dark woods and we lived in this on this hill of this strip of houses and so you had we were sandwiched between these two these two forests and you know it was a really a really really amazing place to be we were only there until I was about uh five so we moved from there after that but I've got very very vivid memories and those first five years of your life are, mm. are so impactful aren't they so uh, they're formative lucky. particularly when you do something really special I mean I remember getting on the plane and leaving Beirut and coming to Sydney yeah. but that's only because it was a huge thing to do right you know yeah. whether you remember that or not I don't know Okay, so how did you end up in Queensland? <laughs> I think, you know, it's another thing from my my folks, really. they I think when we were, I must have been 14, uh, I remember my mum coming into the bedroom and going, right, we're moving to Australia. And we went, oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Exciting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's great. Um, and so we, we came <laughs> here and I went. Most teach- teenagers would have pushed back on that. Uh, I think I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really realise what was going on until mm. until a few days later. I was sort of in shock. But, um, you know, I, we left my family behind, but uh, my family, my friends behind and, um, you know, all of that. But uh, I, I think I was excited to to go and, you know, see something different. Um, I, you know, I was quite happy to, to, to go and do that. And I was still in touch with my friends, you know, so it's sort mm. of changing schools was a little bit. You know, a little bit strange. Um, but um, where did you first I, land in Australia? We went for a big tour around Australia, and then oh, uh, okay. we ended up. My sister and I had sort of quite a big say in where we would end up, and we wanted to go to the Gold Coast because we like the beaches and all of that. Um, and so we ended up in the Gold Coast for a couple of years, um, and we moved back to England. All of us moved back to England after two years. Oh, um, but I had met my now wife when we came over that first time. So I, we, I went back to England for 10 years and I studied and I did all sorts of things. And then I came back, you know, just to catch up with a few people that I, I, I remembered and then ended up staying 
And now I've been Hang here on for a second. I want to go back to the now wife. <laughs> so you met her at 10 years. Did you maintain a long distance relationship? I, I need to know the romance story. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we knew each other at school, yeah, and right. uh, we met, and we we weren't together or anything, but um, we we sort of stayed in contact over the years, just every now and again, you know, we sort of wrote the old letter, and then you know, Facebook became a thing, and you know, you reconnect, and uh, you know, all of those things, things sort of happened. Um, you know, it was it literally was one or two emails over the years. And then I came back, said hello, and um, we ended up going, oh, this, yeah, nice to see you. <laughs> Why don't I stay? <laughs> I would love to hear her version of this story. <laughs> anyway. It's a similar, similar thing. My, my, my wife is very understated. Um, you know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, so you came back. I came back and um, I was here on holiday and then... I remember I had just published this. I, I had an appointment at the Edinburgh Book Festival that I had to go to. And that was for a book I published called Black Dog, which I, I'd written. And that was just publishing. I thought, well, I, I better not stay in Australia. I better go on, on, on my commitments. So I went back for a month, sorted everything out. And um, then I tailed it back here and I haven't left since. So, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's been, a, yeah. been a great time. You know, yeah. um, and now my, my my half my family's out here again, so you know we're we're, we're all enjoying together. Australia. Yeah, you're all yeah. together. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so how does somebody land a job like this, illustrating Harry Potter? I mean, how does that happen? Does somebody ring you up and say, hi, Levi, do you want to do a (laughs) favour? Tell me how that came about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still quite surreal because to me it just sort of feels like I'm doing fan art. Um, It just sort of feels like, oh, yeah. Were you Um, a fan of Harry Potter? Were you... Was yeah, it? you know, um, of, of all of the, this, mm. you know, I've always been a fantasy fan. So, you know, I, I think my first great fantasy love was Lord of the Rings that I read when I was nine or ten. You know? mm. So, you know, those those things sort of st- stuck with me. And then I think my first experience of reading Harry Potter was when, you know, I missed the boat. Being the perfect age to read Harry Potter, I missed the boat until I was 16, 17, and I didn't read it until then. But it's it's in the same genre as everything I love, and you know it's mm. it's a different take on everything. And so I, 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 I of course, yeah, I was a, I was a fan. I, I don't think I was a mega fan. I wasn't sort of like uh, totally obsessed, but it was mm. it was one of those things that sat on my shelf shelf next to Lord of the Rings and everything like that. So 
I've grown to love it more throughout the years, definitely. So I think I, what happened? Um, the first moment, because I did the 20th anniversary editions a few years ago, and that was the first moment when someone said, oh, do you want to do you want to do this? And I, I think I was over in London at the time. And it's one of those sort of stories where you go, oh, well, I was over, over in London with my agent, we can be yeah. my agent, ha, 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 and all of those kind of things. But, but that is the truth. That's what I was doing. I'm not I'm trying to be uh, uh, kind of boastful. Um, but um, uh, I was over in London for a book festival, I think. And I was over in, I was, I think I, oh no, that's right. My wife and I went there to, because I wanted to go on a pilgrimage to see a Van Eyck painting that I was obsessed with. Oh wow, with. And so we went to, we went, we went to Bruges and we thought, well, we'll stop in London whilst we're over there. Yeah. Because I, I desperately wanted to go to Bruges and see all the Van Eycks because, oh, you know, gorgeous. I've been yeah, obsessing yeah. over them um, mm. for years. And so we went and we saw some Memlings and some Van Eyck's and all the Northern, Northern Renaissance pictures, which, mm. you know, have been such a big, big deal for me. And my wife said, yeah, let's go. And so we went. And I think we, we stopped in England and my, I met up with my agent. She said, oh, I think I've been, I've been having a chat with a couple of people at Bloomsbury about possibly doing some stuff for Harry Potter. And I went, okay. And it still hasn't really sunk in, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fantastic. I thought, well, there there you go that's um that's that's my life sorted in the, mm. <laughs> in the what public. was the timeline did you was it a lot of pressure tell me how you approach a job like this yeah so the, the 20th anniversary which which were the ones I did before they that yeah. was the first time I got involved um and this they, they said okay well we're thinking of doing 20th 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 anniversary editions of this and um we'll do some sorting out and we'll get back to you and see whether it's a goer um and that I think it took about three or four, five months to to get the the, the green light, you know, to get the, mm. the proper go ahead. And uh, it was just before Christmas on 2018, 2019. And it was a brilliant Christmas present. They said, yeah, here you go. In January, you're working on Harry Potter. But doing the first 20th anniversary edition, I did it. I did the job and loved it. It just felt like not like work at all. And then that was it. And then they said, a couple of months later, they said, do you want to do the rest of them? I said, yeah, and so uh, I, I got to do the, the, the remaining volumes, and that took a few years working on and off between that and a picture book that I was working on at the time. And then, um, after I had finished up those a couple of months later, um, it must have been a year later actually, I said, Do you want to do some more stuff? Do you want to do the Wizarding Elm? <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. of course. Yeah, you don't even have to ask, of course, I will. So, um, you know, it's been one of those things where one thing has led to another. And really it was it was because I've been publishing picture books and I've been in the sort of picture book world. Um, I think, you know, if you work away at something for sort of, I think I've been working for you know, a good eight, nine years mm. illustrating before the Harry Potter work came along. So, you know, there's been a few times during that where I've definitely thought about putting the paintbrushes away and mm. gone to get a real job. But uh, it's somehow by the skin of my teeth I got, I got offered this wonderful mm. opportunity. And- I haven't interviewed, you know, I told you I've interviewed a lot of people, but I haven't interviewed many illustrators. And my question would be, so writers tell me that they have the story swirling around in their head or the idea swirling around in their head for a very long time. A lot of them have that idea and live with it until they put pen to paper. Some people start sooner or later or whatever. With illustration, 
how do you approach a job like that? Do you read the book and do you see it visually yourself before you put pen to paper or does that, is it a work that evolves? Talk to me about the process. It's an interesting one because I, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I have a very vivid image that, that comes to me when I'm reading um, yeah. a text and I, it's a very vivid image Yeah, and you'll do your best to try and transpose that image that you get in your brain onto the page. And then you realise that that very vivid image was only a facet of a picture. Yeah. So you, you, you think, well, you know, I've got this element and this element, but all of these other elements that need to come into it need to go into this, into this picture. A lot of the time I feel like illustration, it's very workmanlike. You, you, you go, okay, well, I, I need to, this scene to represent these things. So say you needed to illustrate uh, a moorland with X and Y walking down through the moorland. You can research that and you can bring those, uh, you can look at as many photos as you can and try and instill that in your subconscious and then hopefully it comes out in the drawing. You can work directly from photography, but I, I feel like if you do that, then uh, it loses some yeah. something. And yeah. it's not quite as, in, it just hasn't got that thing that you need. So there's a, n- a number of different approaches to it. But I find as I'm working, quite a lot of memories come out as I'm working. Um, certainly in the Wizarding Almanac, um, quite a lot of memories of me being a kid came out when I was doing yeah, the forest picture. So I find a, a lot of that stuff simmers and you realise that you've got this massive bank of memories and pictures that sometimes they feel like they're just sort of coming out. And you, th- and you, and you think, well, especially in those moments where you don't feel like you've drawn it, especially in those moments when you feel like something else is guiding your hand and you've, yeah. you've drawn something. And then you look at it later and go, that looks a lot like so-and-so where I used to live. Well, that looks a lot like, yeah. you know, up the road from... And it's amazing when all of these things come out. And certainly I find when I changed where I was living in terms of my country, I found out that a whole bunch of other stuff came out of when I was drawing, just not even consciously focusing on it. The skies got bigger. The, the the canvases got bigger, the people got smaller. It was, it was very interesting. Um, so, you know, I think there is certainly a, a parity between how writers work and how illustrators work. It's just, I guess, one's just sort of visual and one's... Well, you're storytelling. I, just through different means, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I find certainly that when I've written, I've only ever written picture books, you know, only, only short narratives, but they do share a sort of DNA somewhere. Yeah. And I feel like certainly the process is very similar. You start with a very rough sketch and then you refine it slowly. As You, it, it, you never just do a drawing and go, ha, ha, it's done. Um, it, like, unless you're you know, Rembrandt or Leonardo. I imagine yeah. they did that quite a lot. Um, but uh, I think, uh, it, you know, you sort of gradually sort of unearth something. And I feel like that's very similar to, to writing and, and to storytelling in, 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 in that sense. So... Yeah, I think we do sort of, certainly with when you're doing any form of narrative content, I feel like that's a very similar process. It's just one is visual and one's right. space. Do you think it's a phenomena, Harry Potter, right? And mm. it's it'll be around for the longest time, won't it? Like it's not something that's going to lose popularity or disappear. It has a made a significant mark on our literary landscape, right? 
and you're part of that. How does that feel? That's surreal. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just such a. I think it's a. It feels like a real honour to be invited mm. to to contribute to that. You know, it, it, it's a it's a lovely thing to be involved with. Um, when I work, sometimes I sort of feel like, well, I've I've no I've no expectation that this is going to hang around for longer than it, it it takes to be published and then read. And you know, so Harry Potter is very very sort of because you know it's going to be around for a long time. I mean, um, your, so chil- that, your children could conceivably be studying it at university. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's very, yeah. very strange. But that's hopefully they like it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they, they do. Like it. And that's their dad, you know, because, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's special on so many levels, isn't it? I think it is, and it's made such a difference to, to so many people's lives, you know. It's, it, yeah. It's one of the most read books in history you know i think it's it really is quite mind-blowing and i i find myself having to kind of block that out a lot of the time i i feel like i have to forget that otherwise i'll just be paralyzed yeah no i i I get that and also too now you think about the next project i mean you know when you go for from a peak that high you've got to work out what you're doing next and how do you do that well i think they're sort of in two separate Kind of containers in my in my mind really because I feel like my the, the the books that I I work on that I've written or, or or initiated I feel like I kind of just do them for me really and I do them for my kids now you know I'm thinking about my kids you don't really have any expectation of it going any further the way it does it's a wonderful wonderful thing when when someone else reads it it's it's just amazing um, I feel like I would be doing this anyway as a hobby or whatever I did, I'd be interested in this. Um, so I feel like I'm just going to treat it like that. This Harry Potter thing was a wonderful bit of luck. And, you know, I got to contribute to something that I, I love and I'm passionate about. And who gets to do that in their life? It's a wonderful thing, you know. So I just, I feel really, really lucky to be able to have done it. But in my own sort of way of seeing things, my everyday reality is, you know, hanging out with the family and, you know, doing drawing um so and telling your kids really stories any, that's right that's it it doesn't really yeah. go any further than that in my in my in my head and so that's why i probably in public events often look like a bit of a rabbit in the headlights because i'm oh I this. <laughs> have, have you met the author herself uh no i haven't met um uh jk rowling but you um haven't. she's she's at a distance been very very nice you know but yeah. I've, I've never been in the same room but um, you get nice she, feedback yeah, she's 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 been a very 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 nice presence, you know, yeah. very nice person. So yeah. yeah, really really uh really keen on illustration, which is fantastic, you know. Well, Levi, congratulations, and I'll look forward to seeing uh your your next project. Right, oh, it's lovely to chat to you. Thank you yeah. for having me. Yeah, you too. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, 
We're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.